0: Just so all the listeners know, I am wearing one of those parental advisory t-shirts right now.
1: (laughs) Hello again. I'm Thomas Irwin, and you're listening to Talking About the Passion, a podcast where I interview all kinds of independent musicians and showcase their music. As for myself, I'm a singer, songwriter, and producer who goes by Niagara Moon. You can look up more about my own music at NiagaraMoonMusic.com. My guest for episode number three is Chris Lott. Chris is a multi-instrumentalist sonic explorer and is the singer and songwriter behind the band Wall of Ears. He also runs the Wide Open Mic at the Stoneway Cafe here in Seattle, as well as Brain Thaw, a collective that highlights innovative and experimental music. I'm now going to play you a track from their upcoming album Hello Beautiful Nothing, a song called We Go Outside. Stick around till the end of the interview as well to hear a couple more tunes of theirs, but without further ado, here's We Go Outside. from originally
0: I was born in the swamp um, of New Orleans Uh, but I don't remember that because I was just a baby so then I moved to Baton Rouge whenever our house got infected with the uh, it's not the termites but what's the other larva that like inhabits a house I think it was ticks ticks took over our house so we
1: ticks usually stay in the forest
0: do they okay yeah it was some kind of Cenopedic <laughs> creature that took over Yeah And me and my family I was just a little little toddler With my twin brother Who is the opposite of me And we moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana Where uh, that's where I lived for a long time um, That's like I guess where I became like musically aware Got a guitar when I was in maybe fifth grade Like the first of my friends to get a guitar I immediately put a 311 sticker on it It was a Strat Pack and uh, we would have band practice where I didn't know how to play anything. And neither did any of my friends, like on their keyboard. One of them played drums on the keyboard, um, you know, set it to like 000, zero, zero percussion kit and would play that. And then uh, we would try to play Beatles songs, but it was just me dragging my hand up and down the fretboard like over <laughs> and over again. And I remember after one practice, he was like, That was, you did really good. You're getting a lot better. And uh, it was true. So, yeah, from Louisiana. Mainly Baton Rouge, but born in New Orleans, and my, my soul was there. Hmm. And when did you leave New Orleans? So I left there to go to grad school, like, about five years ago in Massachusetts. University of Massachusetts Amherst, mm-hmm. I presume?
1: Yep. Oh. Zoomass Mass, baby. Yeah, Zoo Slamhurst. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bunch of assholes there. I loved it, though. It was, like, the best time of my life. And that's when... Um, when I moved there, I released the first the first album maybe like a month before I moved there. And so while I was in UMass and writing a book um, for my MFA in fiction, I really just started working on new music. I'm like, what is the next statement that I can make? And basically this new album is the documentation of
1: those couple of years. Very cool. So you said the first album, so you mean... The Wall of Years first album? The Wall of Years first album, yeah. Oh, so Perfect Organ Assembly was already finished Before when you were back I in Massachusetts.
0: When I was in Louisiana, yeah. Oh, now I remember, it's all rushing back to me <laughs> in a fury. Yeah, we, we it was it was released 2013, some maybe July and it got it was supposed to come out 6 months earlier, but it got postponed from the label, so which is a common occurrence I have learned. Yeah. In music, things happen
1: a lot slower than you want them to.
0: Yeah, oh God, it's like glacial. <laughs> Everything is glacial and slow, and I guess that's what life's about, though. Slow movement that you can't
1: realize until it happens. So Wall of Years started as a solo project.
0: Yeah, it started when I was um, in... I had been playing in different bands for a long time and touring around in different bands, um, but I was always the guitar player, or you know, would play sampler on some songs and stuff like that. So, but I always felt like I wanted to say something and I had like more musical ideas than were just guitar. I didn't even really like guitar towards the end of playing in those bands and was really just getting into improvisation and really playing out of the box. And I guess listening to a lot of like classical and avant-garde music. Mm-hmm. So we had a class, uh, a poetry class with this amazing poet, Laura Glenham and she had you create a sound poem was the concept which is actually a track on the first wall of ears album called cancel features which was my first attempt at doing that ah. and so i just went home and i created i played drums on my thighs and mic them really close um, I looped my vocals and slowed them down, and stretched them out. I pitch shifted, all of this stuff. Just in it, it, wasn't GarageBand. It was some other really crappy program like that. Audacity. Aud- yeah, maybe it was Audacity because they're really good. At, you can slow time down in those. Yeah. Definitely, just upload any song into Audacity. It could be like a Miley Cyrus song, and just slow it down five hundred percent, and just listen to that for hours. It's the best.
1: I know a guy back in Massachusetts who liked to do that with Depeche Mode.
0: Oh, because the synthesizer yeah. just gets
1: even more holy
0: yeah. when you like let it be itself in slow motion. Yeah. Who's
1: big into uh, Depeche Mode songs Slow down like five hundred <laughs> times and stuff?
0: Yeah, good high five pop music sounds great slowed down to where it's incomprehensible drone music.
1: I mean, I guess that's like one step away from vaporwave. I don't know if you know that, John.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of into it. I'll, I don't know the big artist of it, but just like have a loose idea of the aesthetic, which is kind of like. You're smoking weed and you're inside of like a Sega Genesis like menu screen.
1: And then there's an offshoot of that called Simpson Wave.
0: Oh, wow. Does it sound like Bart's uh, airborne kickflip?
1: I'm not sure if the music takes any samples from The Simpsons, but what it is is you make that sort of vaporwave stuff and then like all the visuals are like Simpsons clips, but like, you know, just made really strange. Like the colors are washed out and. I can't like wait slow to motion this. and certain like really weird parts of the animation are just like repeated over and over and that sort of thing.
0: Wow. I can't wait to the aliens discover that in 3065. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like, I don't,
1: I don't know where you go from there in music. It just yeah, feels like... Yeah, you the
0: pinnacle. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I forgot what we were chatting about. Um, we moved on to more important issues. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, so you did this project... Yes. So, uh, you that know, was, so that that was that's how of one of your tracks came about was just that experiment. And then I class. just
0: realized that you can just experiment wildly and make music. And so then I started doing that a lot. And it became, it was a solo project at first for sure. But then I started just incorporating all my friends who were amazing musicians in Baton Rouge. It's a very tight community. If you yeah. play music, you see someone else across the street that plays music, you instantly become friends. There's like no barrier between you and you hang out and you record
1: together. It's not like uh, the Yankees I grew up with who are... Uh, Avert their eyes when you yeah, look into them. <laughs> kind of have a salty disposition at all times. Negative. No,
0: it's, it's really friendly there and open. And everyone wants to learn from each other. So I really like that aspect. But there was a great group of experimental musicians. And um, actually, Cody from this band that I was in called As City's Burn, he helped me out a lot with the tracks and sang some of the vocals on the album, too, which was really great. And uh, that's how it was born started with just a poetry class wow, and extended from there. But home recording, I guess, was also something that I had never done. We were used to paying a lot of money to go into the studio. um, And then this was the reversal of that. This was like, let's just figure out how to record it exactly how we want and um, put as many layers as we want. There's no stipulations. Write the songs in the studio.
1: Yeah, that is one thing that stuck out to me a lot when I heard uh, your first album for the first time is uh, a lot of labor went into this, a lot of layers, a lot of mm. samples, a lot of stuff going on. You obviously put a lot of time into the arrangements. You just
0: keep adding on instead of taking away it's a very thick sound <laughs> embrace all the accidents yeah that's uh that's what I love about recordings or when you can hear little weird and odd moments that. Maybe, um, you could have ironed out, but because you left him in there, like say there's a Neil Young guitar solo where he kind of like, he digs into a note, but he doesn't quite hit it. That's always the best note. Yeah. So I tried to just have, there's a lot of improvisation over all the songs on all the material that we do. And then there's a lot of composed material, but it happens pretty quickly and it doesn't, then the track is done. Hmm. It, it slowly takes shape in the studio rather than you sit down, you write the ultimate chord progression. Yeah. It's, it's definitely more improvisatory and explorative.
1: Yeah, that's always a, a fun way to work.
0: I don't want to go back to the old way. <laughs> it's like, what, I'm going to sit in a chair on the beach and play like little chord progression songs. I've just done that too much in my life. Yeah. I expired it at an early age.
1: So you had your first album... And you got your MFA. Mm. You went straight to Seattle from there?
0: Yeah, I basically hit the road for the summer. um, Did a reunion tour with As Cities Burn, my old band, which was really crazy because it was in a bus and (laughs) I've never had that kind of luxury before. Um, It was Rod
1: Stewart's tour bus. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. You said bus
1: for a second. I was just thinking like, you know, converted school bus, painted purple and green. or well, something. Th- I
0: wish it was that. I, that's what I want now really badly. And that's what I'm actually trying to get me and my girlfriend trying to buy a bus to live on. Okay. Um, so we'll see if that happens <laughs> in the next couple of years. It's a good kind of
1: way to combat the goal rising rent prices around here. Exactly.
0: Plus be on the road full time instead
1: of being sequestered. Yeah.
0: So yeah, we went on the road, did a, did a reunion tour, did a wall of yours tour.
1: And then I moved here. So how did you decide on Seattle in particular?
0: Seattle, my lady is from here. Okay. And uh, her family wanted... She wanted. She hadn't been with her family. She moved out when she was 18 to Germany and then uh, Brooklyn and then um, Western Massachusetts. So she was ready to kind of like come home and see what it was like. And yeah. it just always seemed like such a creative uh, place where things could happen, where money was being made that I thought maybe... If you were creative, you you could possibly have some of it. It's right. not the case though. But um, <laughs> yeah, Seattle. I loved Soundgarden growing up and had spiritual experiences. Okay, so you were into the,
1: the the whole grunge. Scene I wasn't in the really 90s. into the grunge. I was really into Soundgarden. The Soundgarden, in particular. But
0: I thought Pearl Jam was Creed. Not that I think that they're on equal playing field. But I actually bought the first Creed uh, a Pearl Jam album, thinking that it was Creed when I was a kid. So I wasn't super into the grunge, but I did like what it stood for, and it was. It was kind of nasty and seeing like Kurt Cobain wear a dress was like kind of really influential for me, even though I never, I'd I'd never actually listened to any Nirvana albums. They're not
1: as psychedelic.
0: There's a psychedelicism inside of nastiness that I think that they have, or it's just destructive and it's punk energy. I love punk music and, and, and that stuff that goes against the grain and really makes you feel alive. And I'm getting more into that kind of stuff as I get older, but I, yeah, I guess I liked like I just wanted to hear like British accents during my (laughs) youth. I just wanted to listen to the Beatles over and over again, which is what I did for many years. That's how I actually learned how to play music was um, learning Beatles
1: songs. That was my musical education. It's a good place to start. (laughs) Yeah, but with the best. So you brought Wall of Ears to Seattle, and uh, was the idea to find other people to collaborate with at that point? Because I assume when you're recording your first album, it was mostly just yourself? I
0: would kind of start the songs, and then as I would track them, I would hang out with my friends and say, you know, I'd play with them on their albums, and do you want to come just record for a night at my house? Oh, okay. And they'd come over and... Uh, someone would be playing the saw, the singing saw, and we would be micing it and running it through delay pedals, oh, wow. and just improvising and re- and tracking everything. And then I would cut it up afterward. Okay. So it's very collaborative in that way, but it definitely started off, and I think it's still pretty much how the way it is is I usually will start the song off, although that's kind of changing with the new group, because yeah, the idea was come to Seattle and find some new musicians to play with and really get this off the ground. Now that I'm out of grad school and I'm free to do this finally so uh i came no more, with the no new more homework. album exactly no more homework i came with the new album finished and uh after finding the amazing musicians that i have now um we re-recorded a couple of the songs oh because i really wanted to include them on the album and yeah. it just seemed to make sense and we had some new material we were playing the songs differently so there was a severe evolution i'm really excited about the next record um, which we're talking to Eric Blood about recording with, so I'm very pumped about that, and uh, don't really know what it's going to be like. We've written a couple of new songs, but um, who knows if they'll be on there? I think we're going to reset.
1: So when you say the next record, you're already talking about the third. Yeah, record we're already then.
0: planning on. Yeah, this this one has been done for a while.
1: Okay. Yeah, that that kind of glacial pace you're talking about. That, that
0: glacial pace where it can really uh, you can obsess over it for too long, and you could start you start to feel like a Baked potato on the inside. So, moving on to the new music. While the the goal, well, we're releasing this one now in the summer.
1: So it's
0: about a summer too late. But okay, you
1: you were hoping it would get out last last year.
0: summer. But um, the momentum that we wanted and the label that we were talking to, is this they wanted to move back and that and we're no longer with them,
1: so they can do whatever they want. So who are the current members of Wall of Years now?
0: The current members, there's Tony Pettigrew, who is a synth player. He's an absolute god of music, Um, can figure things out almost instantaneously. And he's really good with um, electronics and Ableton, which is not something that... I use Ableton. You use Ableton to make all that music? Yep. That's a great thing. I I don't know much about it, so to see how he does it is a real inspiration. He brings a lot to the music. I I really cherish the dude. And he's he's the most prolific songwriter that I know. He writes he's probably writing a song right now. He works <laughs> two jobs and he has probably about three or four new songs every time he comes.
1: That's my fridge. <laughs> Whoa,
0: <laughs> your fridge is alive. To the practice space, he's got new material. Yeah. There's Bryant Hammonds who plays drums. Just the purest, most spiritual soul. He's a true spiritual warrior. He's like always going to Egypt or Bali or something, uh, and uh, goes. He used to wake up. He doesn't do this right now, I believe, because he doesn't work as many jobs as he used to. But he would wake up at 5 a.m. to go practice his drums before he had to go to work. Like he's that's he's, his
1: version of going to the gym.
0: He also goes to the gym. He oh, goes to wow. a boxing gym, and he just Jeez. really lays it down. He gets in the ring. Like, he fights people there. And when you see him, he's just like this day. He looks like Daniel Plainview. Um, very handsome, very upstanding, very thin, very muscular. And then there's Derek Wright, um, who is <laughs> just an amazing mind. He's got such an amazing brain. He plays bass, and... uh I've really loved having him in the band and having him apply all of his wild ideas on, on every element to the sound that we have live. He definitely... I'm not very good at explaining. Um, I explain things abstractly, but Derek is really great at translating my ideas into things that make sense for the rest of the band here.
1: Oh, that's really important.
0: And also applying his own ideas, which are really good. So that's the main crew.
1: So it's it's nice. It sounds like it's kind of grown from your own kind of your baby into a real collaborative thing. Like you have all these different people who are really giving their, uh, they mm-hmm. really have their own say in the music at this point. Yeah, I'd say
0: it's it's still like a uh, generally write the song aspect, bring the song to them and everyone makes it really just so much better. They add a lot to it and uh, t- take it to a place that I couldn't. <laughs> that is way, way better with them involved, and uh, they're really
1: inspiring to me awesome. as people. Are you the only guy who writes lyrics?
0: Yeah, Derek will help me refine some lyrics. He's a really good editor, so he, um, he helps me a bit with that. But yeah, basically, I'm writing those words. Was your MFA
1: in English? Mm-hmm. How'd I guess? In fiction, fiction writing. There is a track on your first album that is a, would it be appropriate to call it a fairy tale?
0: Oh gosh, yes, yes, that is. That track is amazing. That's not I didn't write any of those words. That actually is a joke that my little brother, he would go to parties, he would get a little inebriated, and then he would tell that joke. Um, and it can go on for a long time. Usually it didn't go on as long, but I, I called him up and I was like, You have to I wanna get that for the album. Can you just record it, you know, on your computer and send it to me? I need it to be seven minutes long or whatever the track is. And uh he did it within one hour and sent it to me. <laughs> and that that track's called The Tale, if
1: I remember correctly?
0: The Tale of Princess Pool and Prince Cesspool. Yeah. That's a family joke. It's just a family joke that uh came from his mind. He's a very creative and kind of strange man.
1: Where did the name Wall of Ears come from?
0: Wall of Ears, yeah. Um I wanted to create something that was like instantly surreal and very visible and visceral. You feel it right off the top, but then kind of echo a little bit of my influences, which I love the way 60s records sound, the all-mono, um, Phil Spector, Wall of Sound recordings. Yeah. So it was just kind of a mixture of that. I went through many other band names, and whenever Wall of Yours kind of popped to my brain, it just seemed to make the most sense.
1: It, it did make me think of uh, Wall of Sound, so it's good to know that was intentional. Perfect. Wow. It gives you a little bit of an idea of what you're in for. Success.
0: Yeah, and I hope that it, like, because the songs are so textured and there's so many elements and there's so much to listen for, I hope that, like, it invites people to grow all of yours out of their head to listen to the songs with.
1: So the song Mind of Moss.
0: Mind of Moss, yes.
1: How did that come about?
0: Mind of Moss um, is definitely, I think, on that album, it kind of, Became the mode that I like to write for future albums, which is kind of diagnosing how your brain works in terms of stream of consciousness and just analyzing how your mind is thinking. So, the, the lyrics quite directly just describe what it's like um, for your, your right side of your brain and your left side and how they work and just thinking about how you think. It was kind of like a Buddhist self-reflection mode. I was really into meditation for a long time. And then I was also into writing. So I would meditate and then I would try to write words. And because I was focusing on my breathing and focusing on my thought process, the song, the lyrics I would write would be about like, how do you control your thought process or how does it work? Yeah. And so that song is just quite literally about like how you receive ideas and how you receive information and how it's good and this is a thing that I think goes across all Wall of Year's songs in my just life is just to not think too much about it. Um, Looks like someone's had too much to think is my favorite Captain Beefheart quote, mm-hmm. but I, I want it to be a um, very engaging language and, and things that you can instantly recognize with, but it's not something uh, I don't want to labor over words too hard I, I don't think it's a healthy thing to, like, over-edit something. Granted, I am also a perfectionist, so it's I'm, I'm telling myself this to thwart myself right. from this.
1: With the upcoming album, Hello, Beautiful Nothing, mm. how have you found your songwriting process has changed or hasn't changed?
0: You know, and it's funny because we were talking about, like, you start off really experimental, how can you go back to normal? Um, but actually, in terms of this track, was a little bit more of, like, how to how to write better pop songs from the first one, which was like, you know, some of the tracks I recorded while I was in LSD for the first time. (laughs) And that's what is on there. Um, So it was a little bit more of like what really makes a strong, beautiful and like succinct song, but then adding all the bells and whistles and the, and the texture and the layers on top of that, the interdimensionality. And so, uh, wait, what was the question again?
1: So, Hello, beautiful nothing. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, oh, what I, I mean, Yeah, I mean, I I did notice that too. Listening to it, that you seem to go from the you know very experimental kind of psychedelic smorgasbord of the first album. I noticed there, you're still doing lots of sound effects and layers, but there did seem to be an attempt to go more towards like structured you know indie rock songwriting.
0: Mm. Yeah, I guess it was more of like I wanted to have really tight. Pop gems, but then when the weird elements kick in, they they're really wild. So it was kind of like instead of it being crazy the whole time, you know, get people into the lyrical writing, have more structured songs. Right, they're not that much more structured than the first the first album, I think. But there certainly is a little bit more of like a plan and execution, and a, just a diverse range of influences than the first one, which is like you know, banging your head against the wall to see hallucinations. But yeah, I think that that was a big difference. And then I also wanted, um, it's hard to say artistically what really changed inside me. Cause I feel like I still have, I grew a lot as a person. And so that was definitely influencing the material. Um, and I wanted to sing each lyric that I set that I, that I sang, I wanted it to really mean something to me and hope that that would transfer to someone else. Um, and I try to keep it open enough, but direct enough, to where anyone they can either follow my story or they can have their own story with it.
1: I do like songs with lyrics that are kind of open enough or abstract enough, where you can kind of create your own narrative. Mm-hmm. But it's not too random that, like, you know, you're left with nonsense. It's kind of that line in the middle.
0: Yeah, and I love putting a banal detail inside of a song like there's one of our songs that um Don't you know is the name of the track But uh, it's kind of full of these big declarations. Don't you know your little life leaves an echo And then later on in the song I just start talking and how the song actually originated was my dog crapped on Our new moroccan rugs So one of the lyrics in the song is don't you know those rugs came from morocco? And so you' you start off a song with these very general, but like you can resonate they can resonate with you, abstract generalizations. Um, and then it goes to a very specific, small, like very unimportant and almost um, could be perceived as uninteresting detail, but I like how it zooms you in on an exact moment. And I love when all of my favorite musicians would do that, when they would just
1: mention one little thing. Harry Nielsen, I think, would do that a little bit. So the uh the track we go outside you're talking about aliens and and stuff. I
0: really got, this album is a lot about aliens and the singularity and uh in love. It's a love album at the same time. I was I got into a real relationship that I'm still in after many years and uh so it was a lot about that. But aliens were big for me. I took a UFOology class. Um, I was just constantly reading research. I, the novel that I'm working on is also about an alien encounter and uh, yeah, I really wanted to, everyone does you know you want the aliens to come down. you want them to uh, I already mentioned aliens earlier in this interview. <laughs> but yeah, I guess just thinking of you you feel like your life is important and it's big, but then if you could zoom out and see the world, and you realize that it's small, but then you zoom out even farther and you see all the other worlds with all the other beings that have evolved. And uh, you zoom out into the entire universe and the multiverses and keep going any further. And then that zoom out camera gets sucked into a black hole and it comes right back to being inside of a little embryo.
1: Yeah, it makes you think.
0: It does. And yeah. so I think that was a little bit of the song was um, feeling like the, the aliens are watching you, but also feeling like people that you can love are aliens. Every, everyone has such a unique wavelength that they provide out of their forehead with with their thoughts and what they say and how they move and what they smell like. And so that that can be very alien. A human
1: alien, a resident alien. How about a Balloon in the Sky? Where were you coming from with that one?
0: Balloon in the Sky. Now, this is a song that was... The lyrics were actually written by my lady, Colleen Louise Berry, who does a lot a lot of artwork for us and all kinds of stuff. And is a huge collaborator. But I actually, um, I was always just sitting around her. She's a poet, um, sitting around her making up songs. And so I would start strumming this and I just said, will you just give me some words? And so she wrote this poem that we kind of, you know, cut it down and and made it singable. And that's actually what the song became. So generally those lyrics, yeah, mostly are provided by her and she actually sings on the chorus of it
1: which she'll never... Oh, so that's who's doing the, the guest vocals in that song. Yes, the guest wondering.
0: vocals, yeah. Because I'm like, this is your song you ha- you have to sing. And it was so magical the way her voice sounds, I think. She doesn't consider herself a singer, but I can listen to it all day.
1: Yeah, it turned out really well. That
0: song, it's a lot about like just being who we are and, and what it's like when you wake up and what you realize your life is. And I, And I think with this album, pretty much all the songs, they don't have one exact meaning. And you could probably read them all As one collective whole, Um, and you would get a better sense than if you just heard one song. But they basically all add up to, like, what am I doing in the world? How crazy is, is this that I'm alive? And what does it mean to exist?
1: What is it about psychedelic music in particular that really inspired you the most?
0: Yeah, I think psychedelic music just kind of really takes you out of normal reality and places you somewhere that's more magnificent and more beautiful I think than anything that is traditional. I think getting out of outside of the box which psychedelic music is is about um, is such an inspiration because you're like looking into the face of what I would call God, which is just like raw creative intelligence and uh, I think that it takes it takes me there and it, it' obviously it takes a lot of other people. It's something that started. Um, and and I, I also, when I say psychedelic, I'm not really referring to just LSD-based music or something like that. right I think it's outside of that, and I, you probably thought this as well, but um, you can hear something from the 20s, and it can still have the psychedelic movement. So what does that mean? And I think that it means that the musician or the people involved are communing with something that is beyond themselves. But not does, does I do not believe in religion, so I'm not really saying that way, but I'm saying that you kind of commune with, um, I guess, the frequency of existence. It, when it's happening, has no agenda besides just losing itself into the void. So I think that that, that is the most interesting kind of music. And I'm, I'm really into a lot of improvisational music, which most people, um, I can ima- I can see why they don't like it. Because there's there's no grounding in it. But what I like about psychedelic pop music is it takes that kind of intangible, loose, really open. It's different every single time you hear it or every single time you see it Um, and it can change and it can morph. And then mixing that with like a good pop structure is the ultimate blend. And that's what I love so much about, you know, being 16 years old and listening to the Beatles. I was gonna um, say
1: that's where John Lennon comes in.
0: Exactly. Like listen to I Am the Walrus, like under a black light, and your friend he comes in and he has um, tinfoil. This is the second time <laughs> I've talked about this guy. I'm not gonna mention him by name, but I love yeah. him very much. Big influence in my life. And he comes in with tinfoil and he says, This is LSD. And then we all put it on our tongues and we listen to, yeah, I am the walrus. In blacklight in his closet, <laughs> while I can hear his parents cooking in the other room, um, on a very small little stereo, and yeah, I, not that it, it, i never even took LSD until I was—until I was making Perfect Organ Assembly. So it's, and I was into improvisational and all that kind of stuff before that, but it was just a way that what I think is interesting about that drug is it instantly puts you in touch with yourself on a very intimate level that you didn't have before. Maybe you had, but you didn't
1: know what it was.
0: Um, I guess it's just the destruction of the ego.
1: Something where it's kind of hard to bullshit yourself when you're in that state of mind.
0: Exactly. There's really, you, you lose the ability to um, put up a guise of who you are or act funnier than you are. And you just you just have to, you just have to make it and exist and try to be yourself, which is actually what you realize is the easiest thing.
1: Well, this kind of leads me to your uh, monthly event that you do. Of, oh, yes. You do... The it's brain called thaw. Brain thaw.
0: Yes. And this is actually becoming... Um, it was a monthly thing. We've been doing it like that. But it's we're slowing it down. It's going to be every three months or so, um, which is much more manageable. It can be a much bigger deal. Um, we were getting a little burned out with it seemed like the second that it ended, we had to rush for the next one. So yeah.
1: once a month is kind of a tough pace to keep up. If you're doing a lot of other things, trying exactly. to organize a show like that.
0: Exactly. And we were trying to make the original plan was making all new work for them, but, um, that was proven impossible. So yeah. So brain thaw is a showcase that me and uh Sam Orson's Samuel Orson's from, um, shit ghost. I don't know if I, I can say that on here. This isn't, this isn't the news. Okay, so brain thaw, yeah. What the premise of brain thaw is to showcase um, experimental psychedelic in just whatever's really good in the underground. I don't really want to put too many parameters on what is excluded or not, but um, there there is nothing excluded. We're looking for interesting people that in bands that need more exposure and trying to ho- host that for them. And it kind of what it started out as was a residency where Wall of Yours is gonna play it every time, but after the next one, we're not playing it every time anymore so just kind of curating it which I'm excited about because um, just getting a break from us having to play gives more room for other people and that was what the concept morphed into Um, but we encourage new works and we encourage collaboration with other artists so at our next show which I want to say is March 15th and I hope that's right it's Wednesday at the High Dive um, fabulous Downey Brothers and fruit juice two of my favorite local bands um are playing the show and we're doing collaborative sets so we're setting up all the equipment at the same time and we're all playing with each other and we're also filming infomercials to be played before each band set that sell the band as a product so there's at every brain thought there's something weird like this that we do and uh yeah, I, I just hope that it be, it's something that people come out for because I think it's really great. We keep it really cheap so we can pay the bands. We do live videos there. We showcase new work. All um, at least Wall of yours we have free merch on those shows and release whatever new thing that we came out with. Um, but yeah, the the the. the concept and we'll be launching the website in a couple of weeks, which I'm really excited about. Oh, you got um, a new
1: website coming up.
0: There's going to be a website and for every band that plays or that's involved, we do interviews, we post them online and we do like videos, collab, whatever they want to do. Basically giving bands in the underground scene press. That's not just like a five sentence write up in the stranger that they work their whole they sell themselves out so that they can get that um so we want to provide something that's just really in depth with them and talk to them hang out kind of very similar to what you're doing here actually a podcast
1: hmm. so so you might be starting your own podcast in the future
0: i don't know if i want to do the podcast i, I i'm a writer so i want to write about bands i okay. love lester bangs and
1: yeah if you were a english major i would think you'd be more interested in writing
0: yeah, talking, my lips weird. get all blubbery and sh- spout out silly things that I can't take back because they're laid down on tape. <laughs> so brain thaw is definitely a thing that um, you should check out if you're interested in the underground scene in Seattle. As time is getting vacuumed out of the future reservoir of my life, um, I want to track as much stuff as possible. and that's. Totally. I'm so sick of uh, recording music and sitting on it for a long time, which is kind of <laughs> how I've been working so I could be in the music industry and really make the album hit as big as it could. Yeah. But I'm starting to believe that that's actually a faulty system and it's coercing. You're, it's, you're being forced into these ideas of what other people think you should do. And so a personal thing that I'm doing starting this year is just recording and writing as much as possible and not getting focused on the business aspect as much which may be negative for the business of wall of ears but hopefully we'll get to a more clarifying state of music
1: i mean that's what it's all about anyway that's why you it's do about it doing the music so you got brain thaw you got wall of ears going and you also host a very cool event every week if i'm not mistaken Yes, the wide open mic. Wide open mic, and that is at Stoneway Cafe. Yes, yeah, Stoneway
0: Cafe on Thursdays, and uh, I love it. It's actually like my funnest time of the week, almost every every week. I just have a gigantic smile across my face the whole time, um, and I had never actually been to an open mic before. I started running one. Um, I did. I, I kind of didn't know like what open mic was all about. Mm. Which I, a lot of people that come to the mic are regulars and they go to all the other mics, but it's not something that I had ever really been to. But I love it. People really expose themselves. They're trying things out. They are are networking. They're amazing. Um, a lot of the people that perhaps like don't have or don't have recordings or things like that. Like I try to talk to them and I'll record their music if they want. And if they're looking for something like that. But I I find that it's very collaborative and community based and helpful. And um, if you're ever feeling uninspired, I highly recommend it because you'll see people that are giving everything they've got and all of their unique talents. So,
1: yeah, I mean, speaking as someone who's gone to a few open mics in the city, uh, it's definitely near the top, if not the most community oriented, uh, Mm -hmm. supportive open mic there there is right now, I'd say. It's got a, a very unique feel to it, I think. You don't usually have an environment where that many people are actively listening, and you have a sign-up sheet, a sheet of paper where people can share their website or their SoundCloud. They have, there's a place for people to mm-hmm. kind of write something down so you can find them later. Which I, I don't see at the other open mics. I really
0: really that seems like such a
1: so for someone way who way had never <laughs> yeah for someone who had never been to an open mic before that's a very smart way to to run one. I think it really mm-hmm. yeah people well, get to get in touch with each other.
0: Yeah, and it seems like the people come there, and they and they they it very immediately seemed to me like there was a need for them to like grow what they were doing, and they made this music, and they wanted other people to hear it, but because of the way that information fills our brains these days, it's so hard. I mean, and I know I'm not the only person like this, but you hear someone's name, you record it, you say it five times to like try to glue it to your soul, but it doesn't stick. Oh yeah, it's because we're just like our brains are overwhelmed. It's just like pulverized cheese right now we're taking Um,
1: in too much information too much information
0: so i think little things like this like finding ways for people to connect or you know using wide open mic as a forum to connect musicians like that's that seems very honorable to me like i'm very happy that i get to do that um and i hope people check it out and, and look it up and use it as a resource for that and i always encourage people to like you know plug your show plug your book plug your thing Plug your Kleenex.
1: Hmm. Um, I might end it at that plug your Kleenex. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. So, how'd you like that one? Chris is a pretty interesting guy. It definitely felt like we could have kept talking for a lot longer. We also have some mutual friends back in Massachusetts. So that's always fun. But yeah, that open mic is awesome. And I look forward to checking out the new BrainThaw website as well. Anywho, if you like this episode of Talking About the Passion and want to support what I'm doing, please write a review on iTunes and subscribe. Also, if you have any suggestions or questions for me about the podcast, you can email tatppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and now I'm going to play two more Wall of Ears songs. The first is from their debut album Perfect Organ Assembly, a track called Mind of Moss. After that, one more track from the upcoming second album, a song called Balloon in the Sky. Enjoy!
2: Aspire. Uh.